Good morning. Welcome to Discovery's Digital Gathering. We are glad you're here. We are excited for what God has in store this morning. We want to invite you to download our app, which will help you stay current with our community and get further connected by filling out our new visitor card. Let's prepare our hearts for worship and for the adventure of discovering the good news of Jesus together. Meet me in 1 Samuel 14 as we jump back into this big conversation that we've been having as a church now for almost two years, this conversation called practice. I want to spend a few moments before we get to 1 Samuel 14 reminding us about who we are and what we're doing in this conversation called practice. Here at Discovery, we Uh, take Jesus' words very seriously, or at least we try to take his words very seriously. So when Jesus says something like this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, there's no commandment greater than these. We take words like that very seriously. What Jesus is talking about here, our fancy word of the morning is the telos the ultimate object or aim of life, the end goal, the end game, if you will. According to Jesus, the telos, the ultimate object or aim of life is love. It is to become people who love God and love others well, who love with our whole selves, heart, soul, mind, and strength. We begin here because so often the discipleship conversation in church, discipleship is simply a word that means to follow someone, to be formed into a particular way of life. Here at Discovery, we want to be formed into the ways of Jesus. The discipleship conversation in the church today focuses primarily on the mind. The telos is knowledge, acquiring information as if we are simply brains with legs. But no, we are human beings, whole persons, and we respond to the good news, the gospel of Jesus, which we spent the last three weeks talking about in depth, right? We respond to the good news of Jesus with our full selves, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Listen to how some of the New Testament writers talk about this. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you. Work out your salvation. I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Train yourself to be godly. And then once again, the words of Jesus. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person who built their house on the rock. Now, a question that comes up here, is this a works-based, you need to earn your salvation, misunderstanding of the gospel of Jesus? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Our salvation, right relationship with God is a gift that we receive, not something that we earn. However, following Jesus is not just about agreeing intellectually with some ideas or, or just sort of passively biding our time and hanging out. It's something that must be lived. It is worked out. It is contended for. We train in it. We practice it. We participate. Are you with me? 
Now, one more bit of background here. There's been two long studies that have been conducted, both covering decades, like 20 years of research, attempting to determine an answer to the question, okay, the end goal is, is to become a loving disciple of Jesus. How does that happen? How do we get there? Are there things that, that, that help us towards that end? And these two studies, independent of each other, revealed that there are four practices that lead to maturity as a loving disciple of Jesus. We've, we've basically stolen these. We call them our core four practices. It's an interesting list. Confession, outreach, reading of Scripture, and encouragement. Confession, outreach, reading, encouragement. You'll notice that, that that's an acronym that that spells out core. Fascinating list, right? Prayer, Sabbath, tithing, uh, uh, ascribing to a particular theological system. None of those things are indicators of growth or maturity. Now, they're good practices. Don't get me wrong. And for uh, us individually, they may be very foundational and important to your relationship with God. But statistically speaking, it's confession, outreach, reading, and encouragement that have been shown to be the things that are necessary or, or that are important in, in uh, growing us in maturity as loving disciples of Jesus. My sort of personal theory there is that these are so important because A, they hit heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Heart, encouragement, soul, confession, mind, reading, strength, outreach. Just a sort of personal Steve theory about all that. And then B, they are all needed, or at least they come alive in community. They must be done in relationship with other people. Now, with all of that as a backdrop, we turn our attention to the final practice of our year, the practice of encouragement, which is, again, one of those four core practices. So I want to give a definition, very brief definition, and then we'll get into this story that we see in 1 Samuel 14. So definition, to encourage is literally to put courage into someone through words, actions, presence, relationship. We make one another stronger then we are on our own to encourage, to put courage into someone else. How many of you on a regular basis feel like, I've got so much courage, I don't even know what to do with all of it. <laughs> I've got plenty of courage. Research shows that 80% of adults struggle with self-doubt. 80% of adults struggle with self-doubt. The other 20%, please hang out with me. I would love to learn your ways. <laughs> You might say this is a crisis, right? There's a crisis in our culture of self-confidence. And, and, and the practice of encouragement, I want to be clear about this, it's not meant to be like a silver bullet mental health cure, but I do want us to begin our conversation this morning considering this question. What would happen? What would it look like? What would it feel like if we took this practice seriously and there was a movement of encouragement where discovery just became known as a place where people will speak courage into your life? What might that do to our city, to the campus, to the larger cultural and spiritual landscape if there was a movement of encouragement? 
Now to 1 Samuel chapter 14. This is a story that as a community we've looked at before. Remember last year we spent a long time in 2020 in the book of 1 Samuel. It's a story that takes place in the very early days of the kingdom of Israel. The kingdom of Israel, if you're not familiar with with what that means. The people of Israel, God's chosen people. God comes to this guy named Abraham and says, I will give you descendants and a land to call home. And, And he has a family and they, be, they become known as the people of Israel. They end up slaves in Egypt. God rescues them out of slavery in Egypt, brings them back into the land that he had promised to Abraham. And for 400 years, they lived there in this sort of loose network uh, uh, of, of community, right? There's no real framework to, to their uh, society at that point. That they're occasionally ruled by these people called judges. And if you read the book of Judges, there's this very ominous line, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so all of this is kind of going on. The people of Israel look around, they see the other nations around them, and they see that, oh, they have kings. So they say, we want a king, and God very begrudgingly gives them a king. The first king is this guy named Saul. Saul's reign as king gets off to a good start. There's like this initial very positive moment, and then it very quickly goes downhill after that. And in fact, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 13, the chapter right before our story today, where God says to Samuel through the prophet, or says to Saul through the prophet Samuel, your kingdom is going to come to an end with you. I'm going to pick and choose a new king. The next chapter, chapter 15, is where we're introduced to this young man named David who will become the next king of Israel. So in between all of that, we are, we're introduced to this, this amazing story that involves Saul's son, whose name is Jonathan. Now, one more bit of background. During this time, Israel, in an ongoing war with the Philistines, they're kind of enemy number one, and Jonathan, there's a lull in the fighting. Jonathan wants to spy out what the Philistines are up to. So he undertakes this off-the-books mission to go spy on the Philistines. Well, his dad... It is chilling out underneath a pomegranate tree. You can read this in 1 Samuel 14, 1 through 3. There's this big contrast, right, between Saul and his son Jonathan. So Jonathan goes to spy and he brings someone with him. He brings his armor bearer, his fighting partner, the guy that quite literally has his back. Brings him with him. Jonathan says to him, Come, let's go over. This is verse 6. Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. I love this statement. It's one of my all-time favorite statements in Scripture because I think Jonathan perfectly captures the tension of faith. The tension between confidence and uncertainty. Right? He speaks this great confidence. I know who God is. He's the God who saves, the God who acts. Nothing can prevent the Lord from saving, whether by the many or by the few. Expressing this deep confidence in who God is, but also, I don't really know exactly how this is going to play out. I don't know what the end result of this is going to be. I'm going to move forward without all the information. This faith exemplified in that wonderful word, perhaps. Who knows? Maybe it's us. Maybe it's you and me, Armour who God is going to use to do something amazing. What a wonderful statement that captures the, the tension of faith. Now, as great as that is, what I really want us to focus on here is what comes next. Verse 7. His armor bearer looks at him and says, Do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. I am with you, heart and soul. 
and soul. This is a, a beautiful picture of encouragement. Speaking courage into another person. Now, just to play devil's advocate for a moment, we're missing some character details here, right? The armor bearer could just be a yes man. Jonathan could be the overbearing boss, and this guy's just trying to please his boss, but I do not believe that is the case based on what we know of Jonathan from the whole story in 1 Samuel. He was a kind and generous and sacrificial person. He was a good man. And what I I think we see here is a very interesting and important relationship that he has with his armor bearer. A beautiful picture of encouragement. Encouragement that is rooted in, to borrow a phrase from Jesus, spirit and truth. The best encouragement is rooted in spirit and in truth. Let's unpack that for a minute. Spirit, what I mean here is relationship, the connection between people, especially when that connection is built on our relationship with God. These guys had a very unique relationship. To be the armor bearer of particularly the king's son, this was an important position that required a high level of responsibility and trust. It was an intimate Role. If the right person, or in this case, I guess the wrong person, got influence with the armor bearer, he could kill Jonathan and wipe out Saul's heir. Jonathan needed to trust this guy, needed to know, hey, we're in this together. We're committed to the same thing. We are fighting for the same mission. Now, I think it's entirely possible to be encouraged by random people, but it's the people who know us well, who who we've been through some stuff with, right? Who have the most power to instill courage in us. It's the people who know us well, who have the most power to instill courage in us. When the armor bearer says, I'm with you, heart and soul, this is deeply encouraging. This is Courage and empowerment being spoken into Jonathan because the spirit behind it, the relational understanding that they have is deep, right? We've done this before. We're in this together. We are committed to the same thing. I am speaking courage into your life, Jonathan. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. So there's the spirit of it, but then there's also the truth of it, right? It's worth noting what the armor bearer does not say in this, in this moment, right? He doesn't flatter Jonathan. Oh, Jonathan, you're such a great fighter. You know, you'll defeat your enemies. Don't worry about it. It's all going to work out. He doesn't give, you know, uh, sweet Hallmark card sentiments, you know, don't stop believing, Jonathan. You've got this, that kind of stuff at all, right? He just says, go ahead. I'm with you, heart and soul. Encouragement is not uh, nice platitudes. Sometimes it can be a word of challenge. Let's do this. Let's go to battle. 2 verses 20. I'm in. Let's go for it. But it's a challenge in the context of relationship, right? I'm challenging you and giving you the courage you need to meet this challenge because I love you and I want the best for you and I'm in it with you. The best encouragement is rooted in spirit and in truth. 
Now, I want to uh, wrap up our teaching time this morning, maybe a little bit differently, especially for this practices conversation. Usually we have like, here's a bunch of things that you can try out. Um, sort of, you know, big invitations to explore the practice more. But today I wanted to hone in on, on a couple of things. This has been a really sweet season for our church. Again, we're getting ready for Thanksgiving. I've been reflecting a lot you know, this week, thinking about gratitude, the things that I am grateful for. And I'm just overwhelmed with the amount of gratitude that I have for our staff, our leaders, just our church as a whole, the ways that you all are pressing in and owning our process and mission here at Discovery. And so I want to speak some encouragement too, some very specific encouragement actually, to keep at it and maybe even to take a step into something new, uh, into a next thing, into a sort of perhaps moment like the moment we see with Jonathan and his armor bearer. Now I think, I believe the theme of our coming year is going to be tied up in these words, mission and formation. Our church growing in its ability to accomplish our mission, to help people discover the good news of Jesus, and to see people in that process formed more into the likeness of Jesus, becoming loving people, people who love God and others with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So a couple of specific things I want to sort of encourage, challenge, invite you to think about as we get ready for a new year. It's been really great, obviously, to be back in in the theater, and there's been a lot of excitement and momentum around that. The next uh, sort of layer of that is the reopening of our children's programming on Sunday morning, creating space for our kids with their peers to discover the good news of Jesus. Now, in order to do this, the next step in reopening, we need helpers, partners, we need armor bearers, right, in this this task. And so we need help with kids, and we need help with setting up and tearing down. Now, set up and tear down is is pretty easy. It's fun. All you need to be able to do is show up at the theater at 8.15 and know how to tie a knot and, I guess, be willing to push a giant bin on wheels. That's pretty much it. We have a great time. It goes by super fast. It's a great way to get to know other people and help make the gathering possible on Sunday morning. Our kids team, we're looking for quarterly volunteers. So that's just four times a year, a super fun opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with kids. If you'd like to be a part of either of those things, you can send an email to info at Discovery Davis. You can email me or Carrie as well. We'd be happy to help you get plugged into those teams. One more thing to press into here in this season. We have uh, in the past and are again this year collectively participating in Stake's annual holiday program. Stake is a local organization that helps meet the needs of people who are experiencing poverty. And one of their big programs is during the holidays, they collect food and gifts for people who are in need. They got over 450 requests this year. Uh, I think it's one of the highest <clears throat> numbers of requests that they've gotten. And they're needing more adopters, especially for individuals. The families tend to go first, but it's individuals that are their biggest need right now. And they've had to create a wait list because there are just not enough uh, people who have signed up to adopt yet. So we have an opportunity to serve and bless a lot of people by taking on this challenge and meeting this need. <clears throat> if you want to know how to do it, you know, Google Stake, Google Stake Holiday Program, go to our webpage. There's a link there uh, with more information on how you can participate. But press into the mission. My encouragement to you, press into the mission. 
whether that's serving on Sunday morning, whether that's meeting these very real needs in our community, there are wonderful opportunities to continue being good news in our church for people who are visiting on Sunday morning, uh, in our community for people who are in need. Now, one last thought is this. Under the banner of formation, so we just talked about mission, now let's talk about formation for a minute. As we head into a new year, I want to invite you to think about your involvement in community. And in particular, are you connected to one of our mid-sized communities? This is a sort of our new adventure in group life, community life. It's the primary place where we are formed in relationship for the mission uh, in our context here in Davis. One of the best places to discover your armor bearers, right? Those who will be with you in the trenches, giving you courage, heart and soul. Our, uh, we've got some, some big ideas and dreams for our mid-sized communities in the coming year. And again, the new year is a wonderful time. Any time is a great time, but the new year, a wonderful time to get involved in one of those. So make sure you check that out. Find your people, find your armor bearer. Now again, back to the, the question that I asked earlier. What would a movement of encouragement look like? 80% of us struggle with self-doubt. The other 20% are liars. <laughs> Kidding aside though, right? We, we need these kinds of people in our life. People who can speak courage into us. As I said before, I, 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 this has been a sweet season. I love where we are right now as a church. When I think back to, to when we got here three years ago, summer of 2018, to where we are now, like I just am amazed at what God has done in discovery and I'm so grateful to be a part of this with you. It's a sweet time and there's a lot to celebrate but that also means that at least for me there's this like fear that comes up there right because the the better it gets the more uh, uh, the more nervous I get about messing it up right the more fear I have of like oh Steve don't screw this thing up it's so good right now. And, you know, this is not a huge fear. It's not crippling fear. I'm not lying awake at night worrying about this. Um, and I'm also not like, you know, send me a bunch of emails to make me feel better or anything like that. I'm just being honest about kind of where we're at right now. And, and in particular about the, the gift it's been to me to have people speak into my life, speak courage into my life during those moments when that fear crops up. We need those people around us. We need those armor bearers who will say, go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul. Do you have those people in your life? Do you have those people in your life? What would it look like if we started an encouragement movement where everybody had someone who could look at them and honestly say in spirit and in truth, I am with you, go for it, let's do this. Speaking courage into one another, what would that look like? How would that change the landscape of our church, of our community, and of our world? Let's pray. Father, I do, uh, I do ask that that would be something that our church is known for, a place where, where encouragement is offered freely and often, where we are 
uh, so connected to one another, know each other so well that we can speak courage into each other's lives. Speaking courage in spirit and in truth. Not just nice, fluffy words, but real, genuine, honest, authentic encouragement. And God, may that become a movement, not just in discovery, but, but that, that, that sort of spills out into our city and into our community. Father, thank you for what you're doing here, God. We, we uh, continue to be excited about what's happening, what lies ahead. Uh, give us courage to participate, to, to step into the perhaps of what you have for us, that tension between our confidence in you, who you are and what you have done for us, but also um, that place where we're having a trust that you will come through yet again. We pray this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. As we get ready for communion, uh, I just want to end with this thought. Jesus, when he sits down for this final meal with his disciples, he uh, says, I'm leaving, I'm going to die. And, you know, he breaks the bread and he, and he passes that cup around saying, this is my body and, and blood broken and poured out for you. It's sort of the somber moment. But he also makes some pretty uh, huge promises, right? He says, I, I leave my spirit with you. John chapter 14, I'm sending a helper to be with you. And then in John 16, he goes on to say, uh, take heart because I have overcome the world. When we think about this idea of encouragement, it's not just about us coming up with some really nice, positive things to say to other people. We are able to encourage one another because of the hope that we have in Jesus and his resurrection. And the reality that his spirit now lives in us, empowering us to do the things that he has asked us to do. And so when we speak encouragement to each other, again, it's not just fluffy, kind words. It, it, it's, it comes from this place of this deep hope in the good news of the resurrected Jesus. And so as we come to the communion table today, I want you to remember that is where our encouragement is, is grounded. And our hope in the Jesus who died in our place but did not stay dead, right? Rose again from the dead three days later who gives his spirit to us to empower us to be good news and to speak encouragement to one another. When you're ready here as we close our time in worship, take and eat the body and blood of Christ.